Hello, hello. My name is Cyril War. And this is Brian Roig. Welcome to the Shaping Spirit podcast. We're just a couple of guys from California who've collected a bunch of academic degrees, studying spirituality all over the world, bringing it right back here to you to bring you the one and only truly non-sectarian spirituality podcast in the world. And with that being said, Cyril, my man, what is the topic of the day? Spirituality is a state of mind. Love it. Spirituality is a state of mind. Yeah, that's, that's cool. I think, uh, you know, since we've been talking so much about, you know, these types of integrations of spirituality in our life, I, I think it is important that we talk about how spirituality becomes a state of mind, right? And what are the components of spirituality being a state of mind? I think Who's that African-American sort of jazz pop pianist singer who wrote like a New York state of mind? That New York state of mind is Billy Joel. <laughs> no, there's another one, a more recent one. I don't know. That's the only one I know is... Uh, I think it's, New York it's state, Jay-Z. New York state of mind is Billy Joel, man. That's know. old, but there's a new one, which is um, um, by... Where, yeah, well, Billy Joel, sure. There's <laughs> another one, dude. There's another one. Oh, well. You just threw me for, uh, for thinking of a, of a song yeah. yourself. Yeah, I don't know. I don't listen to... That type of stuff. So, well, anyone of our listeners right now, mm. dial in right now and help us out on finding out, <laughs> clearing up who. <laughs> oh man! Anyway, next podcast session, I'll, I'll bring this super crucial information without which we cannot, you know, <laughs> go deeper in our spirituality. So let's talk about this state of mind. Spirituality, you know, being a state of mind. I think there's components that we need to kind of unpack, unravel, and, uh, you know, kind of dig into a bit. Well, we both really did us. agree on, on speaking on, the, on a famous, there's this famous statement from, from the ancient wisdom of the world, which, which talks about the state of mind, right? And it's, yeah. it's like four components, right? Yes. Like being really like humility, humility being one. Yes. Um, what's the other one? Tolerance. Tolerance, right? yeah. And then what's the third and fourth one? Respect. Respect. Yeah. Giving respect. Going both ways. Yeah. Well, right. giving respect and not, not necessarily trying to ex- expect respect other, respect re- in return, right. but really focusing on how we are respecting others and showing respect to all people. You know, so let's, let's, let's break them down. Yeah, let's do it. Oh, empire state of mind. Alicia Keys and Jay-Z. Okay. <laughs> There you go. Great song. <laughs> All right. Go. Empire State of so Mind. So now we can totally focus. All right. So we're going to go from Empire State of Mind to Spirituality State of Mind. Uh, okay. So let's humility. look at humility. I mean, humility. Prideth, pride cometh before the fall. Yeah. You know, here's the thing with humility, and we've kind of briefly touched on this in other episodes. Saying you're humble it's not humility. <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing you can, you can never say, you know, I'm really humble. Yeah. So I'm one of the most humble guys in the world. Yeah. That, that just, that doesn't fly. You know, I, I like this, you know, when we're talking about this 
ancient wisdom and these these ancient Eastern uh, sayings, they they liken humility to being like a blade of grass. Yeah, where you have yeah, this functionality where you can bend, right? You're bendable, not where you break. And this is the difference where people don't understand. Humility doesn't mean to break. You're not breaking like a piece of straw, right? So you're not breaking, but you're strong enough in your spiritual root that you know how to bend and you keep your ego in check, you know, because ultimately our idea is to abandon the false ego. That false ego lends us to this People concept. People call it ego, yeah. false ego, right? Yeah, lends us to this concept of I, me, mine, where every, the world is about me, when we should graduate to the stage of the world is not about me. Uh, Will Smith, me, myself, and I? Oh, geez, I have no idea. <laughs> me, myself, and I. Me, myself, remember that song no. from the I don't 90s? listen to that. God, Sorry. missing out on this great song. Or Tears for Fears, Everybody Wants to Rule the World. That one I remember, yeah. That was a great one. Yeah, that was a good one. So, you know, when we look at humility, you know, I, I, I can just use the example of how I teach my students in my jiu-jitsu studio. You know, there's this saying, leave your ego at the door. Most other martial arts schools and even jiu-jitsu schools, these are some of the most egotistical maniacs I've ever met in my life. They try the teachers. Oh my God. They try and deify themselves and the students become the same way. And it becomes like cults of personality. When in reality, you should always be in that mindset of growing and learning. And that tends to keep us in a more humble state because the more you learn to realize how little you know. And you should always find opportunities to learn from others even if something is being said to you where it's not palatable, this is where you have an ego check, right? And where the humility kicks in. Even if it's not palatable, how do you sit back and listen and go, okay, well, what is that nugget of wisdom that I can take from this? Where can I get it to resonate and gleam from within? Right? That's a little, it's, yeah. it sounds simple, but it's, it's, it can actually be incredibly complicated and a challenging process for all of us. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do. I think, uh, you know, people, their, their pride gets in the way of so many things, right? Pride gets in the way of asking for help. Pride gets in the way of working with others. Pride gets in the way of getting along with others or just, you know, working in the next step of what we were talking about, how to be tolerant like a tree, right? What does that mean? To be able to... Well, before we go to, before yeah. we go to tolerance, a tiny theological, you know, I like to talk theology, sure. so a tiny, a tiny theological parenthesis. Mm -hmm. If we look at two different models of spirituality that exist worldwide, you can basically categorize every spiritual tradition on earth into two major categories. One being sort of a theistic, you know, category, category where, where the individual person has a relationship with the divine, right? Mm -hmm. And, and while the, the individual person is divine, that individual person is also not completely like a hundred percent God, like in the sense of you know, fully omniscient, fully, you know, 
omnipresent, mm-hmm. fully omni, right? Uh, and then so then, then there's the other category where, and again, you can fit in, you can find actually veins of this particular second category in every tradition of the world. Um, the idea that ultimately there's no distinction whatsoever between the self and the divine. Mm-hmm. We are all 100% of the divine and ultimately it's just one, right? Yeah. Right, to merge into the oneness and all that. So out of those two paradigms, I believe that this, you know, and while I respect all of them and we encourage everybody on this podcast to, 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 to go deep and to go deep in whichever tradition they, you know, they, they resonate with some food for thought. I, I personally believe it's, let's say it's easier. Let's just say it's easier in my opinion, in my humble, in my very, very humble <laughs> mm. opinion, uh, sarcasm. It's, 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 I think it's easier to be humble or to have a humble dispositions, disposition toward the other when one is operating in the former category and not the latter. Mm. Anyway, parents, parenthesis closed. Let's go to the second thing. Yeah, yeah that, uh, that makes tolerance. sense. I do want to say that that makes sense oh, yeah? what, you, what you're saying. Um, you know, and we can actually, in a, in a, also table these concepts for another podcast because I think obviously you and I can go That's really, yeah, really let's deep do a into the rabbit on, hole with that. Yeah, yeah. You know, because there is a notion of spirituality and non-distinction. And then there's, uh, uh, you know, a notion of spirituality and absolute distinction. And then there's a, there's a notion of both, Right. The notion right. of, of, of spirituality and of simultaneous distinction and non-distinction. So let's keep that for another. Yeah, we'll keep that for another episode. one because that I love that topic so much, man. I could <laughs> we could talk about that for hours. <laughs> yeah, it's abstract, but it actually has very practical, uh, you know, applications. Very practical so, and 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 very. I feel that when you kind of learn how to kind of reconcile it all and harmonize it. I find it very soothing and reassuring and go, oh, okay, that's what this means. This is what we're doing. This is why. Okay, it makes sense. Hmm. I think, you know, like I said, we'll get into it in another podcast, but I do believe there's a particular aspect and conclusion to that, which is the most easiest to resonate with and makes the most sense. So second point, yeah. tolerance. tolerance. Tolerance, like a tree. Yeah, that's a beautiful analogy. Yeah. And, th- and then let me describe this one since you described the first one. So sure. the, the, the tree analogy, if I get it right, is that, you know, a tree tolerates the blazing hot weather or, you know, the super cold weather and doesn't complain. Mm-hmm. The tree, you know, gets its branches cut, doesn't, doesn't say anything. The tree, you know, has... A, you know, I don't know, Carlos and, 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 and Juliet come and, and carve out a heart, you know, in, in its, in its body basically with a knife saying, you know, Carlos loves Juliet, you know, it doesn't say anything. Mm-hmm. And, and yet the tree still like gives its fruits, the tree gives its shade and doesn't complain. Yeah. So, so it's a really nice analogy, like in terms of tolerance. If you can meditate on how tolerant a tree is, then you know you, you, 
<laughs> you'll, you'll, next time you won't go into a road rage, for example. <laughs> right? Well, <laughs> you try. I know that would touch you because in LA people are really, <laughs> oh, it's horrible. really yeah, uptight Southern in traffic, California, huh? like everywhere I go, it's just like, you know. Some, and you spend a lot of hours in, oh in traffic. Oh my God, right sometimes I wish I had water balloons filled with like ink where I could just throw them at cars <laughs> to just get them out of the way. No, but you know, so what's interesting about this, this, Second, you know, one time I sorry, I, I was going to UCLA for a while, and on Westwood Boulevard, mm -hmm. no, uh, actually on the Wilshire Boulevard, close to Westwood, some guy like cut me off, you know, as I, as we were exiting the freeway, and this was like this, it was traffic, it was um, it was uh, what's it called? It was uh, it was rush hour, so the red light was on, and there was like this long backed up line of cars. I literally got out of my car, and walked up to his car and started screaming at him. <laughs> Nuts. Yeah, man. Oh anyway, so what were you saying? So this was long ago, by the way, before I became very humble and 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 and, and, and wise. Uh, so there was a book I read when I was a kid by Shel Silverstein called "The Giving Tree." I don't know if you ever read that book, but I mm -hmm. mean, I think anybody could read it. Doesn't matter if you're a kid or an adult. I mean, it profoundly impacted me. And it was literally about a relationship this little boy had with a tree and the tolerance and love that the tree gave. And as they grew together, uh, just how he kind of like had this relationship with this tree and the tree saw this boy turn into a teenager to a young adult to a man and then an old man and everything it went through. And the tree never complained even when he was being chopped, chopped to pieces and everything. And... Interesting. Yeah, uh, but yeah, this this point reminds me of this book, The Giving Tree, and so I highly recommend everybody to check out the book, The Giving Tree. It's a very short book, you know, it's really like a kid's book, um, but it's a beautiful story. And for me, it was is very much like, yeah, how do we build this? And I, I want to throw something out to you, so maybe you can help us kind of reconcile this point. How do you have the ability to be tolerant like a tree? Yet at the same time, uh, discriminate. Not, not yet yeah, have enough discrimination to not take shit from people, right? Because right. being put, tolerant like a tree doesn't mean to be abused. Right. So I to do want to bring that. Uh, uh, yeah, I do want to bring that point up. Is is right. that it's it's we're not about saying okay if you're going to have work towards humility and tolerance, be tolerant like a tree. You shouldn't get out of a toxic relationship. Yeah, because that's that, yeah. that's not that's not it at all. And I think that this is a crucial point we can look at and really maybe discuss a little bit because I think there is a distinction between humility and that level of tolerance versus abuse, regardless if it's physical, emotional, mental abuse. These are types of things when if somebody is toxic to you or abusive, a bully or anything like that, these are things that we have to be aware of and say that no, categorically that's not okay. Here's my thoughts on the thing. There's, there's certain situations where shit comes your way and you literally can't avoid it. Mm -hmm. Right. For example, being stuck, I don't know, being stuck in a traffic jam and I don't know. And, and then the guy in, in, right next to you and then the, in the lane next to you has like super loud subwoofers 
<laughs> right? And is playing, I don't know, whatever, hip hop or, or thrash metal, whatever, super loud. And maybe you're trying to listen to a lecture or you're trying to do some, some praying or some medit, you know, some whatever, you know, you mm -hmm. want some quiet in your car. You're listening to some Mozart or something. And you, so you can't get out of that situation, right? Mm -hmm. You just got to you know, bite the bullet and be tolerant, mm -hmm. right? You get into, I don't know, you get into an accident, you, 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 I don't know, cutting veg vegetables in your kitchen and you, you, you know, you cut your finger. Of course you take care of it, but the pain that's there, what are you going to do? You know, of course you're going to try to mitigate it and then and, and take a painkiller if you want. But my point is that there's certain situations where you have no choice mm -hmm. and then you just got to tolerate. But there's certain other situations where, if you, you can get out of it, especially like you say, if it's, it's clearly wrong, if it's clearly going against, you know, your own dignity or, or justice mm -hmm. or, or, you know, like platonic notions of, of truth and justice and, and then, then not getting out of such a toxic situation is actually foolish. It's actually falsely humble or falsely tolerant. Yeah. That's what I have to say. No, it makes sense. Uh, that, that totally makes sense. I just wanted to make sure we were really clear on that point that we're not telling anybody to be like, if you're in an abusive relationship, that you should stay in there for the sake of humility and tolerance and right. showing somebody else respect. No, 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 no. When we're looking at this as a, a spirituality, you know, you know, being a state of mind, we're looking to grow obviously beyond the material confines of our personal daily existence, right? And we need to learn. And this is, you know, one of our, our teachers used to say all the time, learn what is uh, kind of helpful in your spiritual growth and to accept and embrace what's helpful in your spiritual growth and learn to categorically reject anything that is not favorable to your spiritual growth. Right. And if somebody is disrupting your personal identity, you know, and, and trying to kind of create this, this motion in your life that is just like a swirling sense of, toxicity maybe it's just like everything in 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 your in this your life with around this person or types of people where everything has to be their way there's no flexibility there's no they just completely disrespect you you know they're abusive they call you names you know these types of things this is not acceptable ever because it is not conducive to your spiritual growth and obviously it's not conducive to having a a satisfactory material existence at all. Yeah. So, you know, that humility, that tolerance is really something best utilized in good company, I think. <laughs> hmm. Right? That sort of ties into the third point, mm -hmm. the third and fourth point, the idea of respect, you know, like... They're all tied into each other, these four mm -hmm. things, you know, hum humility, tolerance, and the idea of giving all respects to others. And oh, well, let's tackle this one in one shot, mm. you know, three and four, because they're, they're really related to each other. Yeah. 
So giving all respect to others mm-hmm. and expecting none in return. Mm-hmm. And that's so contrary to this sort of culture of, of entitlement yeah. that it were right. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, uh, whether, whatever. And I'm not, you know, whether it's, and I'm going to go on both sides of the spectrum here. Okay. Whether it's like ultra woke liberal or ultra conservative. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whether I use the example of black life matters, you know, entitlement or, you know, whatever white victimhood <laughs> as a, as a result of, you know, it's like on every side of the spectrum, you know, gay or straight, like I'm entitled, I'm, like I'm entitled to this, I'm entitled to that. Mm-hmm. And while there is justification, you know, again, because if we're, we're seeing an obvious or a clear um, visible breach or, or um, endangerment or attack on, you know, principles of justice, of divinity, of devotion, of truth and so on, then yeah, okay. But it's just, it goes overboard so much and it just becomes a self-serving, like ego feeding and sometimes and often, you know, financial pocket feeding, (laughs) you know, uh, trip, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can use a very, you know, kind of crude example here, but uh, when I was growing up, you know, I was in middle school and high school and stuff. I, you know, I had horrible school experiences. I always like to tell people I was a victim of the Los Angeles Unified School District. Literally really? one of the worst school districts in the country. It was horrible. Both my middle school and high school were plagued with gangs and violence. It was just vile. Anyways, point I wanted to bring up was that universally, it was so interesting, all these gang members... And all these guys that were getting into fights and attacking people and all this stuff, it always came down to the same thing. You disrespected me. <laughs> right, 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 right. So their concept in their mind was, if you disrespect me, I need to kill you or I need to beat you or we need to gang up and get you and just beat this person. But their concept of respect was something that they really never learned in terms of how to give respect because they didn't have parents in the home. Primarily, if you look at most cases of where there's issues, especially uh, with young people, teenagers, because there's no father figure in the home that's setting them right, that's giving them parameters of how to teach, teaching them respect, humility, tolerance, how to check their ego, this types of thing. You see it over and over and over again. You look at all these guys in jail, most of them, they've never had a dad, right? And... um, you know, here's the thing. Res- to me, respect and humility go hand in hand, you know? And then this concept of giving respect and not expecting any respect in return, it, it's, it's, it's more like, so we kind of need to kind of tease this out a little bit because it's not like you're showing somebody respect and they walk up and spit in your face and be like, hey, that's cool. I'm not expecting any respect in the in return, you can just spit in my face. That's, that's not what this is. Right. What this means is you're not showing respect and an honor to somebody with a, a sense or an idea of reciprocation, right? You're not, it's not an exchange. It's not a uh, transactional um, state of mind, right? So giving respect is not transactional. Right. That, Especially that's if, really if, if you tie it in with the second point of not expecting respect in return. Yes. Explicitly. Yeah. 
and, and, and so, you know, there's levels of respect. And the one, one of the levels of respect that I really enjoy and I use it more than I care to even say is called respect from a distance. I can you like to give that type to others. Yes. <laughs> so and the reason why this is so important is because I truly value my spiritual state of mind. I value my personal emotions, my mental state, materially and spiritually. And I choose not to engage with people that I know that say will ruffle my feathers or go out of their way to disrespect me or belittle me. And so I can just sit there from literally from a distance, folded palms. I wish you well. I wish you the best. You know, I'm not saying but anything don't get negative, close to, but don't I won't get, get close I won't me. get close to that fire. I won't. Right. And that is my method of showing respect. I'm not expecting any respect in return. Okay. But I also know that this particular individual or these types of people, they're no good for my state of mind. They're no good for my growth. So I don't have to engage them. So giving respect is on different levels, you know, of, of engagement. You can respect from a distance. You can res respect from up close. You can respect uh, from a level of, you know, deep interpersonal relationship, you know. So you can measure how, how you need to engage a particular person, right? You could just, and here's another way, you can just respect somebody's cultural um, preferences. So as an example, um, I, I've had people that had come to jiu-jitsu classes before and culturally, you know, you know there were some women that didn't want to, uh, you know, kind of grapple and roll with men because culturally or, you know, from their background, they didn't want to engage with men physically, even though this is, it's a physical sport, what we do. And you have to learn how to fight everybody, but okay, you have to make and just kind of respect that and just ask, hey, do you, are you willing to grapple with men or is this something that, you know, you're not comfortable with? Oh, then they would reply, thank you for asking. It's not something that I'm comfortable with. Okay, and sit out, watch the class. And, you know, that's that. And then, you know, if another girl comes, you can roll with her, grapple with her. If not, then you can hang out, watch the class, and, and learn that way. You know? So th that's, that's another form of respect, right? So just respecting somebody's, you know, maybe their cultural preferences or their background uh, to make sure that they're comfortable in a situation. It's not like you have to adopt what they're doing, but just be like, okay, cool, you know? There's a connection between this fourth, you know, this third and fourth principle yeah. with, of, you know, not expecting respect in, in return, offering all respects to others, mm -hmm. um, to the first principle of humility. Mm -hmm. And again, coming back to this, I want to make a small, again, a small theological parenthesis. If you're operating in a system, in a paradigm, okay, mm -hmm. where, and let's just use really sort of cliche, uh, Judeo-Christian or Abrahamic, uh, and even some Asian traditions hold them because there are, you know, theistic traditions in the East, contrary to what a lot of people think. Um, let's just, let's just use a real cliche, you know, word here or, or terminology. And we shouldn't throw the baby with the wash water. You know, it may sound cliche, but actually if there's some good in it, you know, conceptually, then, then we shouldn't bag on it. Mm -hmm. 
But for the, the example, right? God is great. Okay. God is great and I'm small, right? Yeah. Or God is great and I'm God's servant, mm-hmm. right? I mean, to get really sort of... So just assuming, assuming someone's operating in that paradigm where one sees himself or herself as, you know, as divine in quality. And we'll, you know, we'll get to that. We'll do a whole podcast on this exclusion, inclusion, and, you know, like non-dual, dual, mm-hmm. like the, and simultaneously one and different. That, that's awesome. But, okay, coming back to this. So imagine someone's operating in a system where he or she, for better or for worse, or, you know, whether it's true or not, that's not the point, but he or she believes that, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm small, I'm pretty insignificant. Again, it's not self-deprecating, you know, we're not talking about like, you know, uh, whipping yourself with chains or, you know, but I'm small and God's great, right? And I'm not God, I'm not the creator of the universe. Mm-hmm. I was created and I'm small. So just using that paradigm, all right? Which yeah. is kind of like the, the real rough and tough, unsophisticated version of that first category I was talking about, the theistic category or theistic paradigm. Mm -hmm. Then you compare that to, you know, paradigm number two, where, and again, I don't want to, you know, insult anyone or make any uh, like gross generalizations, but again, we could sort of use typical terminology. We're all one. Ultimately, everyone is, you know, every person is one. We're all one. We're all God. You are God. I'm God. We're all God. Right. Mm -hmm. So out of those two (laughs) paradigms, again, it just seems a lot easier to offer respects to others Mm -hmm. and to expect none in return. If you see others as parts and, you know, as integral parts of the divine and you also being an integral part of the divine, but still the divine being, you know, supreme and you also, and you being minute or very small, Mm -hmm. right? There's this notion of reducing the self or acknowledging the self is very, very dependent, dependent on, on God, for example, as opposed to, you know what, I'm going to walk around and, you know, I'm, I'm God. You're God. We're all God, man. (laughs) Well, you know, then why should I offer respect to you? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Parenthesis close. (laughs) It's very true. It's very, very true. You know, ultimately these, these, these functions, so why did we even bring this up? Exactly. I mean, God, sometimes we think so clear. I, I was just going to say, I had a professor <laughs> at University of California in Riverside, and he, he used to quote a professor of his who would say, you know, what's the BFD? Mm-hmm. We just spoke now for like 40 minutes or whatever, right, on these four principles. Mm-hmm. What's the BFD? What's the BFD? What's the big deal? Yeah. So go ahead. In order for us to develop our spiritual life, and really kind of push our consciousness further spiritually. These are the basic tenets in the state of mind we need to be in to really be clear. This offers us clarity because the, the, the other point of this is for us to be able to get and engage in a form of meditation to literally tune in like we've talked about, right? Turn on, tune in, and drop out the old Timothy Leary saying, how do we do that if we do not have these principles set? You're going to be so distracted, you're not going to be able to meditate. 
You're not even going to be able to relish. Good let's point. Say, now you're getting practical. Right? So let, let's say you have a particular name of God. Now, I'm getting a little theological here, but let's say there's a particular name of God that you find most attractive or a particular prayer. How are you going to be able to integrate that prayer in an honest way in your life if you're so distracted by your ego, <laughs> you know, with everything around you, with levels of, you know, just disrespecting others, being intolerant. There's no way. There's no way for you to grow unless you have these basic principles down. This is what creates the, that state of mind to grow spiritually. Good point. It just gives you a better technology yeah. that you can use to just go deeper in your spirituality, right? It just helps you be more efficient in growing spiritually. Yeah. Right? You, you, you have to. I mean, these are, in my opinion, these, these points that we brought up today are non-negotiables. It's, it's non-negotiable. And ultimately, these are, in my opinion also, these are universal principles. Hmm. I don't care what culture somebody's from. I don't care what religious background they have, right? Makes no difference. I don't think you will find a single tradition on this planet that will tell you to be against these principles. I can't think of one. Hmm. You know, and we've studied quite a bit, <laughs> right? I, I don't think there's yeah. a, a Taoist that would disagree with this. I don't think there's a, a Christian or a Muslim that disagree with this. I don't think there's a Buddhist or a Hindu that would disagree with this. Yeah, it's very universal. It's very universal. Because regardless of what your um, your religious flavoring is, you need to have these principles down, adopted, and integrated. And work on them at least. You have to. You have to work on them just like, you know. It's a I mean, daily like practice. You work on them. I, it's a daily practice. It's a daily. We cannot go. I mean, every <clears throat> time you, you engage, you know, I love listening to, you know, audiobooks or podcasts or, you know, the books that I read. But every time I pick something up, I'm like, wow, I didn't know that. I'm mm. blown away that, uh, about how much I don't know. And I personally, I enjoy it. I love being a student. I love being a student. I love being in that, that state of mind where it's just like, teach me something. Tell me something I didn't know or help me understand this nuanced point deeper. I love that. It makes me happy, mm. you know? I find so much satisfaction from learning, learning from others, and it doesn't mean going to a particular school and an institution or anything like that. That's not what I'm talking about. But gravitating towards these things to, number one, admit, wow, I, I know so little, <laughs> right? You are not, you know, I was reading this saying the other day, I was going to mention this to you, is like people when they're younger, they think the world is about them, right? And then they're so concerned about what people think of them that their whole life revolves around, you know, when you're a teenager or maybe in your 20s, you're so, you're so hung up on what people think about you that you try to act a particular way. Then you get a little bit older, say into your 40s, a little bit older, then you don't care what people think about you. 
right? You're like, whatever. I'm living my life. I'm here to grow myself. I'm here to do me, right? But then there's a third point to that, a little third caveat to all of it. Then you get towards the end of your life and you realize nobody was thinking about you to begin with. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> there it is. Drop the mic, friends. Nobody was thinking about you to begin with. Stop putting yourself at the center of the world. This, and you know, we've talked about this before, and obviously we, we can table this also for another podcast, but hold on, is <laughs> this is one of the key problems with atheism. Because atheism, it's the world is centered around you. This ideology yeah. that there's nothing greater than yourself is a huge problem. Yeah. What were you going to say about Bob? Well, you know, that famous, I think I quoted him already in one of our past uh, episodes, live for yourself mm -hmm. and you will live in vain, live for others and you will live again, mm -hmm. you know. So everybody try to focus on these four principles, try it out, you know, meditate on those four principles in, in your life, you know, being more humble than a blade of grass, you know, tolerant like the tree, right? Mm -hmm remembering to give respect to others, not being, you know, not expecting respect from, 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 the, from others. And, uh, in that state of mind, you know, then, then you'll see how your, your spiritual life, your, the, the spiritual dimension of your life, um, improves, yeah. improves. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. Great. Good stuff. Good stuff, my friends. So... We thank you and, um, you know, let us stay together remembering that, you know, we're, we're much more than our physical bodies. We are, we are not matter, but, uh, but we matter. And, um, you know, let's stay together with that, with that, with that state of mind. <laughs> Shaping spirit podcast at gmail.com. Keep those comments coming, questions, uh, we love hearing from you and uh, any questions you have, throw it our way. We can topics, give us topics and we're happy to use that as well. So thank you all for listening. Thank you everybody. Take care. <laughs>